All right, well, uh, welcome to another episode of Hawk Talk. I am Al, your host, and joining me today is my co-host, Quince Van Orden. How's it going? Today we are going to be talking about the Ethan Hawke movie, Juliet Naked. I don't have the exact... uh, I don't have all the information pulled up about this one right now, but I can, I can get it pulled up here really quick. So, just you want me to jump into the summary then? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go, go right ahead and jump into that. Uh, I've seen this. This was about it's now about five years old, give or take. And Ethan Hawke is a former musician, but he's not the main part of the story. The story is about a couple. One who is obsessed with Ethan Hawke and his music that he kind of he made one album and then kind of disappeared off the planet. And then the other part is his girlfriend who has to deal with him and his obsession and feeling like it wasted most of her adult life with him. Right. It. I'm not sure if it, if he had only made like one album, but he had made maybe he had made a couple albums. Well, it sounded like he only had made one, and then until the end. Yeah, maybe I maybe I uh, missed missed something in there. Anyway, so like they, she starts this kind of unlikely pen pal kind of relationship with Ethan Hawke, and they kind of grow together. And so then, when she and her boyfriend split up, she starts kind of hanging out with Ethan Hawke's character. So it's described as being like a rom com. But uh, there's kind of so there's like some romance and comedy elements in there, but it didn't necessarily feel like a rom com to myself. How about to you, Quince? Like I would probably just consider this like a romantic film, but not I wouldn't call it a comedy. I think there are comical moments, you know. It's it's more of a yeah comedic moments for sure. Comedy, not a comedy. Yeah, it wasn't like focus on comedy at all yeah i mean it's not like if you watch an old woody allen movie i know that not a lot of people want to want to do that these days but if you watched one of those there's a lot of a lot more comedy to it that's true so so this one eh, okay yeah interesting let's get into it and and like i said he's not the main character but um he is a vital part to the whole story so that's why we can talk about him. Unlike the last time we talked about Ethan Hawke was his portrayal in Last Onion, which he was nothing. Right. Yeah. He was. He was a nothing part. But this one, for sure, definitely. Uh, I would say that he is the second most important character of the film. Duncan is certainly in it, played by Chris O'Dowd, but he overshines, like out, out outshines. We should say. Uh-huh. Chris O'Dowd's character. You know, I I really liked the the first scene where Chris O'Dowd meets. We're just jumping into favorite scenes of when he meets Tucker Crow. Oh yeah, uh, you know maybe I should hold off. Uh, do you want to like? Do you want to go into uh, a different yeah. aspect? No, we can we can we can jump into it. Let let let's go into favorite scenes. Why not of uh, uh, Ethan Hawke? Okay. 
So my favorite scene is Duncan and Annie. They've split up. Annie is now hanging out with with Tucker Crow and and his son uh-huh. that he's kind of brought in tow with him. So they are at the beach building a sandcastle, and Duncan is on a jog, and he's like he's trying to do all these things that would like hopefully win her back. So he's like, hey, look, uh-huh. I'm getting back into. I'm exercising. Yeah. He's like, Oh, I'm exercising. Oh, I'm doing like later on, he gets way more desperate, but this is like the first time. Uh And what I liked about this scene, it's, it's uh, because he's like obsessed with this person and he proves that he doesn't even know him because Uh Tucker Crow introduces himself to him. And like, he's just like, ha ha. Very funny. This is like (laughs) wonder. Yeah. And it's just like, just downplays it immediately. Just like he has built up like this mythos of, of, of Tucker Crow. Yeah. To the point that like, he just doesn't know who Tucker Crow really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I like that. Um, just all of his interactions with Tucker Crow, uh, you know, later on when he has dinner with him and thinking that he knows Tucker Crow better than Tucker Crow knows him. Um, <laughs> He's like but, quizzing him on all these things like, hey, like, but this, like, you're still pretty, like, chapped about, like, this girl cheating on you, right? And he's like, what the? Yeah, and, and I, what I did like about that, though, is um, in that scene, at least, is uh, Chris O'Dowd's perspective is that about his music meaning so much to him. And it, it <laughs> you know, it's the music that moved him. And kind of created his life the way it is. Um, that he, 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 and all of us have this inner touch with music. And there is a, an album, there is an artist, there is a song that has moved us so much that uh, we think we know it better than the artist, you know, um, to some extent. Because it's, it's moved us through rough patches in our lives or whatever. Um, yeah, and maybe. It, it's it's definitely easy to think that maybe we have listened to something more than somebody else and like hey i've listened to a radiohead album like more like but it the most amount of times that i listen to something it's definitely gone through that artist through their head so many times they've rehearsed it they've played it so many times day after day for concerts and stuff like that it's really kind of shallow of us to to think that way mm-hmm. so I, I listed off this scene. I think it's funny. I don't think that it's necessarily my favorite Ethan Hawke scene, though. Okay. Because I feel like what we are, what we have both listed are Chris O'Dowd scenes. Yes, with, that is true. So I'm actually going to put down the scene as he meets up with his daughter. So he meets up with Lizzie, who her... Is boy, this the first time, or...? This uh, is uh, after... after she has given birth. Okay. And so she is holding the baby. She was kind of distraught because the man she was with, I don't know if it, I'm guessing it was just her boyfriend, but she's just uh-huh. like, he, he left musicians. I hate him. And he kind of laughs at that. And he is having this kind of immediate, this like immediate, um, yeah, kind of, a not necessarily moral quandary, but like just this, he didn't, he's at a crossroads right there where he wants uh-huh. to one 
show himself that he doesn't abandon that Anymore. like he had he had a previously abandoned his daughter grace and he doesn't want to do that right right this moment where lizzie's handed off the off his grandchild to him and he's holding on to that but he is also just having a very difficult time because he's finally caught some feelings for a, a new woman for annie uh-huh. and he wants to like rush over to her and be like, no, no, I like, I really want you don't, in don't my life. Go, stay here. Yeah. Yeah. And that, the acting, the cool. acting in that moment is just, I, I think that they do some really good like cuts back and forth to show like what he's looking at, but you can see that he is like visibly distressed and it's such a mm-hmm. great moment that like, I, he didn't say a single thing. He's just like, right there and like having this this debate inside of his head it's it's really Mm -hmm. great i I would agree that that was definitely my favorite part and i felt like throughout the film there are other types of things that uh of moral quandaries of like what do i need to do that's the right which also isn't you know that there are there are a few choices and both can be right to some extent but which one is the more right you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like it wasn't wrong for him to want to go to Annie and, and keep her there, but um, it was more right to stay with his his grandchild. Right, absolutely. You know. Um, okay, so I I would agree that 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 was probably my favorite scene as well. Um. Uh, so kind of a little after that, right? Uh, you know, um, she has changed her life. She goes to London, and the next time we see that they meet. It's just at like a coffee shop, right? I had this <laughs> random crazy theory. Um, and this isn't true because this is based on a book. But what if this was if um, kind of like the before sunset films and that it was he would become a rock star you know from his book whatever in a sense and uh julie dempy's character whatever he had a baby and then he abandoned her and then he he went on these different relationships because he he had that in the second film as well he had an Mm ex-wife and a kid and then this is you know this is the the fourth movie (laughs) he would say (laughs) how many like it it feels like but do, do, you, has, do, you, do you see what I mean? Is that oh, yeah. he kind of has that same characteristics of the Before Sunset in a sense? Oh, for sure. Just, um, and, and, and what I wanted to bring up is like how how many times do you think that we are going to see a similar character as like kind of disheveled dad? Exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. He is the schlubby dad. He <laughs> that is what he becomes. Is he is the everyman schlubby dad. Uh, I, and I think when we, and we're going to talk about the role you had said, you, you're not sure if you could see him as a musician. I get that, but I could see that maybe when he was young, maybe he did put out a record, maybe he got great. And then he kind of abandoned it. And then he's become this disheveled dad. That's the role I see him as. <laughs> yeah, no. So I, I do want like, do you want to jump into that right yeah. now? Okay. Yeah. So is Ethan Hawke is his is his role realistic or like, can, can we believe that Ethan Hawke is, is the Nick as his, like, uh, 
<laughs> the Nick Cannon of no, he doesn't have that many kids, <laughs> but he does kind of have a lot of kids in this movie, and and that that part is is a bit silly where it's like he's got the uh, he has the heart attack and like all of his kids kind of accost him at once and they're just like hey you gotta um so I a hundred percent believe of in him as like being a musician in this. Like, do I believe that Ethan Hawke is portraying a schlubby, like disgrace, like maybe not disgraced, uh, just non-current musician. Like, you know, somebody who has just kind of fallen out of the limelight for, for a little bit too long. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we'll, we'll call him like a faded singer, singer or songwriter. One hit wonder, you know, kind of thing. I I do believe in that, but they play his his like all these songs that he has supposedly written throughout the throughout the movie, and so we hear his voice, his singing voice throughout mm-hmm. it. And I don't I like hearing that. I'm like I don't believe that people are falling in love with this voice. That that's mm-hmm. the the part that I more specifically had trouble with. And I went, I went through, I listened to a couple more, like a couple of the tracks on Spotify after watching it, just to like try to hear a little bit more full. I'm not being accosted by visuals on, on screen and stuff as well. And I was just like, yeah, this music, not something that I want to listen to. Oh yeah. I didn't think it was like, uh, you know, and I think that's in general with films to, when it's not a musical movie but you need music and original music I think that could be hard and like I was looking at IMDB trivia and they went through quite a few artists to to kind of just come up with a sound for him um, Hmm. and writing the lyrics that they did but Chris O'Dowd uh, his character like he he wanted to be a person who like bops his head like he's going to rock but that music isn't that kind of music either, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, and sometimes when they do scenes like that, they don't have actual music playing. And so that was also kind of hard to, like, believe that that's what he was really listening to. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes they just kind of play some generic music on mm-hmm. on set, and they're like, yeah, well, this is what we're going to shoot for. But I think that some of it they may have... They may have just played something totally different on. So on I, I have a short film I did on YouTube, and I did my own little music video. I found some free music to put on, just this like dance party that I made in an elevator, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they were dancing, when filming this, there was no music playing. But when you play it with, the, when you play the actual film, you don't realize that because it kind of goes with the music. Because I found that I found the song after I had recorded the the movie. <laughs> Funny gotcha. enough, yeah. usually look have a song in mind. Now I and like this is in part why like his his music kind of re- reminds me of the before films is because uh-huh. Julie Delpy had like a brief recording career, kind of uh-huh. in between uh, the first and the second movie. And so then they ended up using some of her songs in the the second, um, so it, but between uh, before mm-hmm. before uh, sunset, and so they they use that one, 
And so I, that's where I like see a little bit more connection with it, where it's like, oh, here's like this singer person. They're incorporating this into the music, like into the, mm -hmm. the soundtrack of the, of the movie. But I would, I would definitely say Julie Delpy is a much more accomplished singer. So we have a question to eventually answer, mm -hmm. but I, I kind of a spoiler alert for our listeners, the uh, few that there are out there. Our, our next Hawk Talk, and it's a movie that moved us, uh, will be Gattaca. And in that movie, he's got a tight bod. In this movie, he's got a slubby dad bod. Yeah. At what point in his career does he change from being fit to not caring? Mm -hmm. uh, or is it like when he becomes a father and then he just stopped trying to be a fit father? So is the question to other people to in write general, in? I guess to, to the us? people, to you, what do you think? I mean... When was when was the time that he stopped being sexy guy and became dad bot, right? Mm -hmm. The ultimate stepdad, or not really stepdad, more of like the average dad. Okay, yeah, let's let's maybe answer that in our next episode of what we think. So we'll, mm -hmm. we'll want to kind of re revisit it because I don't want to like necessarily tell everybody what I think right now. Mm -hmm. So let, let some people form some opinions, come back to the next episode and we'll, yep. we will try to, uh, separate that. Yeah. And I'll, I guess I'll get to it in the next episode, but I have an, an inclination, mm -hmm. but the question is what film would that be? And I have to figure that out. I have to do some math. Right. Okay. okay. So, yeah, go ahead. Uh, we're seeing, you know, I, we, we talked about the everyone kind of uh, bothering him after his heart attack. It, it got me in the feels when he yells at his youngest, Jonathan, right? Is that it? Mm -hmm. And I've been in those situations where I'm like busy and just my son is trying to, you know, maybe sincerely ask me something. And I'm just like, just be quiet, you know? And I, and I felt bad in that moment as a father relating to that. And, you know, he, he, he didn't do a bad job. I just felt horrible oh i see sense of like oh, i've been there as a dad you know um, yeah i'm i'm glad that they show something like that in, in the movie mm -hmm. that he's not a perfect dad that he mm -hmm. he then goes and well, like, he, yeah. he's very far from perfect but he's yeah he's but trying the, to be but now he's so late in trying to be you know yeah that it's kind of estranged him permanently from from some of his kids um <sighs> So, I mean, we kind of talked about it. I, I'm not a fan of, like, the way that he was singing. And so the the scene where he is playing in front of the crowd. You know, I didn't have a problem with that. Because that uh, wasn't his song, too. Like it wasn't said. his song, but it, it just wasn't something that was really doing it for me, personally. And it was just like, okay, yeah, I don't, I really... I didn't connect in that scene to feel like, oh, this is, this is something really all that great. They kind of bring in Chris O'Dowd into it as well, so it doesn't feel as intimate of a scene between him to Annie. And uh -huh. so it it just kind of felt like a confusing scene anyways. You know, and, I, I think I'm okay with Chris O'Dowd going in there because I think he would probably still come to the museum opening because that was his ex's 
you know. Right. And he's still trying to impress her. Yeah. Well, not impress her, but just say, you know, at least, hey, I recognize you. (laughs) You know, this is me trying. Right. Well, I mean, that that is impressing her. Yes. Trying to trying to get back into her good graces. So, yeah, it's reasonable to believe that. I just feel like, oh, maybe he could have shown up after that scene or something, but just uh, like having him enter in there, it just felt like, oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm... Or, or even before, trying to impress her more that he's, he's there, and then he gets upstaged by... Yeah, I, I feel like there there's probably some other ways to kind of do that. Okay. Have we covered all the bases? Are there... Are there any other aspects that you want to go over for this one? Um, just in general, would you recommend this to people to go and see? Um, I would probably say this is like, if you are a mom, I would definitely recommend this movie to you. But, mm, but if you're a dad, don't watch it. Don't watch it. Um, like Be to my mom, dads. I feel like my mom, my own mom would love this movie. She would just be like, oh, that was so great. And she wouldn't have like anything bad to say about it. But I, I know that like somebody like my dad would not care for this movie at all. He's like, so why do I care about this? Like, here's this dude who is losing his girl and he wants to like impress this dude so much. And like, feel like this kind of weird hero worship of something. He just like, wouldn't connect to like any of the themes of it. And maybe except for like the parts of trying to be a better father so mm-hmm. i think that it, i would give this a cautious yes to to people what about those to be honest also i think this could be to those who are in you know they're not sure how their relationship is you know she she realizes she feels like she's been wasting her time in a relationship so maybe some single or some people in long relationships that haven't moved forward. There's probably a little bit. I it wasn't like a hundred percent about that. So I would maybe kind of decide differently depending, but yeah. Okay. So I do have, I, I do have a game for you. So this is kind of similar to like a draft game that we've done before. Letterboxd does a, a thing where it shows you the number one, like they, they rank all of a person's movies based off of what people are logging the most. So basically, if you go and watch a movie, you go and on to Letterboxd and you log that, oh, I have seen, you know, blah, blah, blah movie. So are you asking, can I guess the top five Letterboxd films of Ethan Hunt? Close. So I have not looked at his, his top movies. So what we are going to do is we are going to go back and forth guessing and like, so it's kind of draft style. Once somebody picks it, you can't pick it. So we will look at his top 10 films and we are trying to have picks that would be in that top 10. So there's a chance that we could both tie. Letterbox. Do you think, um, does it do shows too? Or is it just movies? Letterboxd. Does let let me look up something else. Let me look up Andor and see if it populates okay. that. Because I just asked that because one potential option. I don't know if I would put it right away, but if we're are, are we trying as a team in a sense guess the top 
10? No, we are trying to have the most number of of picks. So, okay. so I'm going to be picking five ultimately. You'll be picking five. And I am trying to have more than you. So within that top 10. So I know that we're probably going to guess some wrong. But basically, we aren't necessarily trying to pick the best movies. Because we're trying to pick... Reviewed. Yeah, that like people have logged this movie. So there's definitely some uh, some aspect that you're probably gonna guess something that people would want to watch and log and you know like but you're mostly going for okay what what do you think that somebody like this has has seen so all right I will keep I will keep track on on like a little on a nope. sheet over here yeah I've got I've got my notepad pulled up so I can type these out. So that I can do a little double check off. Okay, uh, my number one. I'm going Training Day. That's got to be his number one most. I feel like watched. Yeah, even if it's not for him, because <laughs> people could be watching it for Denzel, which is right. Great. Yeah, hundred percent. I I did want that one. Um, instead, I'm gonna go for. I know that he's briefly in it. I'm going for Glass Onion. Nice. Because he, he's going to show up in there. Uh, next one I'm going to pick is uh, Dead Poet Society. Ugh, that was my number two. Also, I think when you're doing two people, you don't really do a snake trap, but I don't know. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll just continue. Yeah. Uh, my number two. Uh, this is why I asked about TV so it doesn't, shows. It, I, I don't think it does the TV show, so don't. I was going to do... You were going to pick Moon Knight? Moon Knight, for sure. Okay. I'm going to go with The Northman. And mm. then number three, I'm going with The Purge. Because that's also a big, huge, everyone right. loves. Smart. Smart. Okay. I am going to pick Boyhood. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm going to pick the first before movie. So uh, before Sunrise. Okay, my number four. I'm gonna go with. I, I know a lot of people loved L- Lord of War, uh, and that's another Nicolas Cage. Maybe is taking the, the hot seat there. Mm-hmm. But then for my last one, I, I want to go with one that some people think is really bad, and it might have a lot of reviews because it's bad. I'm gonna go with Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, or whatever it is. I didn't realize he was in that one. Yes, he is. He's like a pimp. Oh, interesting. And we will be watching that. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to think of something else that I want to like I don't I don't want to just pick another before movie. I feel like if Before Sunrise is in in that list, then another one's probably going to be in that list. I am going to go I with so that's why I went with something like that's bad because sometimes people yeah people people do watch those review something bad and good as well yeah I'm I'm struggling with like thinking of some of his other movies so I guess I'm gonna go with you know what let's let's pick this movie that we just saw Juliet Naked okay I'm not I'm not confident in that one but I, I probably I said if you're gonna go for like a a, a bad one. I probably would have gone with like Hamlet. But you could also say the one that we're going to watch tomorrow. 
That's oh also yeah, I absolutely. Yeah, I should have picked Gattaca. I I've already locked in my vote though, so I'm gonna. Okay. I'll just I'll stick with what I've got. Okay. You ready to look up this actor? Yes, let's do it. Number one on the list: Dead Poet Society. Counting that as a point for me. Ah, call that. Okay. Second one: The Northman. Point for you. Mm-hmm. Next one: Before Sunrise. So I was right there. Next one, Black Phone. Neither of us did that one. That too, as a recent one. Yep. Next one after that, Boyhood. So that's another point for me. After that comes Before Sunset, Before Midnight, First Reformed. Oh, and they actually do have Moon Knight on here. I. That's weird. Oh. It didn't, they didn't pull up Andor. I know you. I know you would have picked. We'll, we'll we'll count. Do you want Do you want a half point? Half point. I'll take a half. <laughs> a half point. And you also got the purge. Woo! So wait, you, Training Day is not on there as a like. If you put Denzel, I know. Well, it or maybe so it, it's just not top ten. Yeah, he's not. It's not top ten. So it's within what? the top thirteen because it next it has the guilty, sinister. Training Day, Gattaca, Predestination, and then Valerian. So within like the next six, we would have had a bunch more, but yeah. I guess people aren't aren't logging those. So I 100% thought Gattaca and Training Day would have been on there, but that's surprising. So Quince, you had two and a half points to my three. Nice. So close, yeah. close game. What do you think? You like that one? I liked it. Yeah, I think I probably... Yeah, if we would have gone to top 15, and we won for sure. But... <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's one. Uh, it could also be a lot of fun uh, with, a, with a few more people. So next time we've got another person here on the pod, we can kind of do something similar. So uh, when we do Gattaca, maybe we can do uh, Uma Thurman or something like that. You know, actually, uh, Law. Yeah. I don't know if we, there is enough in general, but uh, my sister-in-law, she loves uh, Jack Black. I think we should do that one. <laughs> well, you're going to have... Yeah, no, I think that that one could totally work. Okay. Do you want to play another one? Do you want to try a different sure, game? Do you, or Unless you have like a different game that you want to play. No, no, no. I'm, I'm trying to brush okay. my son's teeth. So uh, uh, let's just do you know, with training day, let's do Denzel movies. Ooh, but you can't okay. choose that training day. I'll let you go first. Okay. Hmm. Okay, I'm for our very first Denzel. I'm going to pick one that he directed, Fences. That's a good one. I am going to go with Malcolm X and Philadelphia. Uh, also mm. with Tom Hanks. Uh, I'm going to pick... I think he's in the Pelican Brief. And... Maybe you remember this one, John Q. Oh, that is a good one. Uh, that was on my list. That's just because I have such a relationship with it now that I've had a heart transplant. Right. Uh, I won't lie. I tried to watch <laughs> you, it when you I was were considering, like, hold it, like having your dad come and hold people hostage so that you could, like, do a heart transplant. No, I, I was trying to watch it when I was getting ready for a heart transplant, or maybe after I had just had the heart transplant, and I, and I had a hard time watching it. Just because as a father and someone who went through heart transplant and knows the um, cost, because that's a big thing. 
a heart transplant. And so, okay, I am going with uh, Equalizer. I knew you were going to pick that one. You know, I was I was saving it, but I was just like, maybe they'll take it because I know because I was just telling you about it. You know what movie I want them to talk about more, but I I don't think it is on. It's going to be on the list, but I I truly love Two Guns. I'm going to just say it just because I love that movie. Two Guns. Have you seen that? No. It's fantastic. I really do. It is like one of my just I am not ashamed that I love it. And some people like it's ridiculous, but it is a great movie with him and Mark Wahlberg. And they have great chemistry together. Um, uh, One's in the Navy. One's uh, working for like the FBI or DEA. um, Mm -hmm. And they're just trying to take down a, a drug organization, but they don't realize that they are with their own fields. And so they're kind of trying to, um, they're both within the organization, but realizing they're trying to take each other down. Um, and then Interesting. <laughs> it's, it, it's a lot of fun. I, I highly suggest it. I think I have it on my voodoo. So you are welcome to watch it. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. I'm, I probably should watch it. I do. I love, I love Denzel. How can you not like Denzel? <laughs> Speaking of Denzel, I'm going to pick Macbeth. Oh, you why know, didn't he I? Was, uh, no. He was just in that. It's a Coen Brothers one. I know my want my five to be. watch it. Um, I can't think of what it's called, but it's the one with the Civil War soldiers. Do you know the oh, one I'm talking Glory. about? Glory. That that would have been a great. I don't know why though. I didn't pick this. My number five. Remember the Titans. That, that's oh, gotta be in there. Yeah, that's gotta be that's gotta be number one right there. <laughs> I. I have totally forgotten he was there. You ready for this? Yep. Okay. Number one, it has the tragedy of Macbeth. So point for me. Uh, so it's any of the new stuff. You like it. Well, it's <laughs> going to be, you know, what people are logging. So people, oh, okay. Uh, next one, training day. Obviously, mm-hmm. neither of us were going to pick this one because we, we said we wouldn't. Malcolm X is next. So point for you. <laughs> I forgot about this one, Inside Man. It's like the one Spike Lee movie that I actually really do like. I did consider it. I did consider it. Okay. Um, <laughs> next one, number four, American Gangster. Another one mm-hmm. I should have thought of. After that, The Little Things. This was like a movie that came out and it like went to. H- it was like one of the first movies that they put on HBO Max, like. Mm-hmm. I don't right know at the time, so like it just kind of came and went. It had it had some other people. I think uh, Rami Malek and the guy who plays uh, the bad Joker. Forget his name. Anyways, next one, Philadelphia. No, another point for you. Next one is Equalizer. Another point for you. Uh, then Fences for Lord. me. And last one is The Magnificent Seven. See, I also thought about that for Ethan Hawke because it was also a newer. That's right, we are both in that one. Um, then it, the next one that would have been on the list of ours would have been uh, Remember the Titans. Ah. You go a little bit further. The man bef- before they're gonna have any more for me. They they do have two guns. And let's see the last. Oh, so you would have won at that point. So, yep. 
So you did good. Yep, you totally smoked me on that one. So you got three points there, Quince. Nice. And I think, you, yeah, you should watch Two Guns. I think you'll love it. Um, also, there is a villain named Quince. James Marston plays oh. a guy named Quince. And it's not that I love it for that, but when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is the first time I know of a movie that has a character with my name. It was like, yeah, it's pretty unique to have like that name. Like, that's my first name, Chase. Like, uh, how many people are named Chase in, in something, uh, you know, except for Paw Patrol? Um, but everything else, it's like that, that's not something that I found growing up. I, the best I could ever find was the love interest girl played by Diane Kruger in National Treasure. And her name is Abigail Chase. So that was like the, the closest to that I ever had to my first. Like there's there's got to be like some '80s movie with one kid named Chase as well. You know, probably. All right. So, feel like uh, we we did that. Do you have any anything else you want to kind of jump into? How was his butt in this movie? Oh, that's right. Because it's hot, talk bottom. Hot, um, talk bottom. To be honest, I was thinking about that the other day. Even though that's our theme, I don't know if any movie shows his butt ever. Maybe Predestination. Mm, maybe. Um, I've seen that, but it's been a while. But I do think it shows his butt in that. I mean, maybe we can briefly talk about it in Gattaca when that one comes up. Like I yes. think you, yeah, like you do <laughs> see him in there. But yeah, it this one, I think there. It's that emphasis of like trying to show his gut and Soul-ish. stuff like that. Yeah, for this loveliness. So, so he's like kind of wearing like all these shirts that are kind of mm-hmm. draped down pretty pretty uh, far on him. So no, I don't think I don't think we we see Ethan Hawke's butt in this one. All right, well that's been another episode of Hawk Talk. Everybody, go out watch another watch an ethan hawk movie watch this ethan hawk movie it's a you know it gets a, a tepid yes from me quince what did, what did you say again i, I love it uh, and the he second i'm it. watching it i i loved it even more yeah maybe i rediscovered some jokes that i forgot about um so i mean it, it's definitely also- worth it for the chris dowd segments uh, i think that he is he brings the most fun to the movie for and sure. i think that's why i watch it is because I was in love with the IT crowd. And so anytime Chris O'Dowd did something, I wanted him to be just as good as he was in the IT crowd. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So I, I think that the, the, during the credit sequence, that's obviously the funniest part, but you're not going to understand that unless you watch the rest of the movie. But that part was probably my favorite uh, segment of all of the whole thing. All right, well, go ahead and go watch an Ethan Hawke movie and Hawk Talk out. <laughs>